and welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm Gavin. And I'm AJ. Just We're... kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to see how you'd react. You, you, thought, I, you thought you'd get an Elmer Fudd out of me? I, I, yeah, I thought, I, and it worked. It did. So uh, let's get that correct. I'm AJ. And I'm AJ. No, oh, okay. okay. Well, Gavin, no. we, you're Gavin. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. right. <laughs> I'm Gavin. That's correct. How are you, good sir? I'm doing. I'm doing really well. How about yourself? I'm excellent. Can't complain. Uh, you know, same old, same old. Just uh, school. Lots of training right now. Lots and lots of training. Uh, trips down uh, to L.A. So, and once again, still don't get to see you. And for it's funny. You know, I actually posted a picture of Sugarfoot and I from yesterday, and I I feel like sometimes people see that L.A. friends, and then they'll get upset with me. Well, why didn't you come see me? The thing <laughs> is, salty. Like, yeah, my, it's salty. That's the perfect word. My trips right now are literally, if I'm there for just over 24 hours, it's training, 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 sleep, training, go home. So, and, it, yeah. And let's let's also be clear for our Los Angeles listeners and also our non-Los Angeles listeners. We're talking about Santa Clarita, which is technically Los Angeles. I had you, you've come in the last two weeks. I also had another friend, Mickey, uh, come in also in that area. And I'm like, I can't make it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I in, this trip was Simi Valley first, yeah. then Santa Clarita. Uh, last trip was Chatsworth, you know, which is so we're not I'm not going into the heart of L.A. And, you know, and that's why I just don't even let people know, because there's really no no. The first of all, there's no time to hang out either. No. Uh, you know, like for you, it's like you could come train with us and we'd get to see each other. But there's really no like hangout time. Well, no, I, I think we were even joking about like if if that happens again in the next couple of weekends, we'll have like some green powder drink in the parking lot before we go our separate ways yeah it's just kind of the way it is uh you know so hopefully uh in the not too distant future i'll be able to just take like an la weekend trip where i can let everyone know and be like what's up y'all we hanging out uh well can't you come to my side of la no we're gonna be here <laughs> you know i drove like uh you know with traffic and by the point you know i drove four hours so we're all gonna meet here yeah, I don't know. That's about, uh, I don't think I can make it there. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Yeah, that's the classic. I'll let you know, which is automatically not going to make yeah, it. So. We know, we know, we know how the no is spelled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anywho, what's new with you, dog? Uh, well, uh, just uh, plugging away, living the dream. No, but yeah, seriously, uh, plugging away, um, enjoying thinking about training. And uh, just uh, eating right for when that opportunity uh, arises, when there's a break in the in the schedule a little bit. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. I like that. Hopefully uh, you'll be able to uh, partake, partake in some training soon. I hope to as well. I, I am going to partake in some new Beverly soon as well. Uh, At least three films. Don't even. Hard Target. I worked a lot of hours this week, so I'm going to get some coverage next week for an extended lunch. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, the Jackie Chan double feature, Rumble in the Bronx with First Strike. Yeah, without, and, without revealing too much, I will be out of the state when the Jackie Chan screenings, which were just announced, are going to be playing. And I was heartbroken. I'm driving because I saw the, the preview the day before and I said, okay. 
It's going to be a Monday, most likely their Monday screening. There's only one Monday I wouldn't be able to make it. Like, even though I have a crazy busy May outside of that traveling, I, uh, I just, my May is insane, but I would pretty much be able to make any Monday night screening aside from the first Monday of May. Mm-hmm. When is it? The first Monday the first and Monday Tuesday of May. of May, which is when I'll be out of the state. And I'm, well, it, they're rubbing it in your face because usually the Kung Fu screenings only get one night. Yeah. So they've they've made sure it's the only two days of the month you can't make it that Monday and that Tuesday, essentially. And I, I am, I mean, luckily it's, it's Rumble in the Bronx and First Strike, which are amazing, but also easily accessible. And I've seen a million times, but it's just, I wish I could be there seeing it on the big screen. I know. And, and I was, and so I'm driving yesterday, or was it yesterday? No, the day before when they had announced the dates and Gavin lets me know. And I'm like, well, when are they? Tell me as we're driving. And then he lets me know. And I'm like, oh, and then he, he tries to send some sort of funny joke. And I was just like, I don't get it. Like I was so upset, <laughs> like driving my car, like, ah, and then he sends a, a, you know, not, not the most clever joke in the world, but. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry about my salty uh, response. Oh no! When I when I when I uh, I couldn't uh, land the joke as as well as I could have, and then I saw your response. I'm like, oh, he's he's still frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> let, <laughs> let's let him let's let him lick those wounds yeah. on that long drive he's taking down. Yeah. So, um, but, but you know the thing is, uh, for the kung fu screenings, the ones that I really like are essential for me to make are the the rare ones, the ones that yes. like Quentin Tarantino only has a copy of, or ones that are just hard to get a hold of in general. And so, yeah, it's a bummer because I'm sure the energy is going to be insane. I'm that's, sure a lot of big name people are going to show up. Uh, not that that's really the key thing, but also it's been a minute since we've done uh, a screening. So it has. Well, and you know, I, I'm, so Aaron, I'm going to meet up with Aaron Vargas. He's coming out. Uh, we also talked about, uh, uh, I forget the proper title for the Filipino martial arts master. But, uh, yeah, Guru or Guru, yeah, Guru, uh, Selena Duffy is going to come out with uh, her husband, Owen. Okay. So check that out. Uh, and you know what? I'm, I'm just hoping there, there's at least 25% of the audience that hasn't seen at least one of these. And I'm kind of leaning towards, I would love the, to sit in an audience, uh, of first time watches for first strike because there's sustained action piece after action piece in that film that are kind of insane. Yeah, the uh the the latter fight as it's classically called is just phenomenal. So, first strike for me, especially if it's the American, you know, cut, it's mm-hmm. it's a little all over the place. I still love the movie. It's very it tries to be James Bond-esque. It's got as you said just action action action. Really not as much martial arts. Uh, there is the great fight scene with the henchman. It's kind of short in the aquarium, uh, the big mm-hmm. henchman guy. I thought that was a great classic kickboxing style one. Yes. But it's kind of short-lived. But the one big martial arts sequence where he's taking on the uh, the family, like bodyguards, as they're preparing for uh, the funeral service is just worth the price of admission alone. Oh, it's absolutely. It's just so good, the, the stick work and then the ladder. And then, man, it's just, that's, whoo. I'm also pretty partial to the chase sequence with the with the two giants. Is that is that fair to categorize yeah. them as giants? Oh yeah, the, all the action is That's, so it's good. It's just really it's just really good. Oh, and you're, I, you're talking about in the hotel. In the hotel with yes. uh, Nathan Jones, one of Nathan Jones's first yes. roles. So uh, 
who uh, <laughs> has a great Instagram mm-hmm. page if you follow him. Uh, he because he'll speak his mind about anything, which hey, uh-huh. you know, I always give people credit for. I'm like, uh, he posts some funny, uh, some funny memes, but uh, yeah, no, you go and get him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. Of course, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I've seen the the extended Hong Kong and Japanese release where the shark sequence kind of goes on close to like feels like 20 minutes. Wow, it's pretty epic. It's probably not that long, but as a as a kid watching it on a VHS tape, I don't know. I don't think I was a kid any longer, but uh, it was. It was pretty cool. You were a kid at heart when watching. I was a kid. You know, that's the whole thing. When you're watching Jackie Chan films, you do become a kid at heart. It's, it is, that's an excellent way of putting it. I mean, Jackie has that effect. Classic Jackie, that is. And, uh... Yeah, so you're gonna have to represent us. You'll have to wear your shirt. Absolutely. Maybe even record, uh, some stuff. Maybe, uh... If you have a little mobile mic, we'll have you like record, just record people and talk to them. And, uh, ah, oh man, a bummer. I won't get to hang out with Mr. Vargas or anybody else, but I'm sure you guys will have a killer time and we'll just have to look forward to the next one. Sounds good. Yeah. So otherwise in martial arts movie news, uh, high the high app has dropped the, what would be the first, uh, six episodes of the Donnie Yen Fist of Fury TV series from the mid nineties, a mm-hmm. classic one, which is funny. So in the Western world, or at least in America, it's been released uh, twice in a sense. So for those of you that don't know, Donnie Yen did a Fist of Fury TV series, TVB, in Hong Kong in the mid-90s. Now, there's been gazillions of martial arts TV shows from the 80s to the 90s till present day. And you have to remember, this isn't like America when a show's like a hit and it's a, you know, it goes on for multiple seasons. Typically shows there are, it's like somewhat between what we used to call a mini series and a regular series that like, it's like shows were established. All right, it's going to be one season, but it's like 20 something episodes long. Yeah. And then the show's done. Uh, but so the, it's been released and it, the difference between Bruce Lee's Jing Woman or like, you know, even Fist of Legend with Jet Li is this story starts long before Chen Zhen goes to Shanghai and becomes the student of, uh, Hoi Yan Jiao or, uh, fuck you and gap so it's like a little bit of his backstory as well as like what uh fuck you and gap was up to before they become uh the student teacher relationship and they're actually like enemies at first and so it has this whole long backstory so really like the first half of the season is the backstory then it's and then or i should say maybe the first third then it's them becoming the student teacher then it picks up where hoyan jaw dies and then chen jen the chen jen character you know has to avenge him so uh, Tai Sang released two different DVDs of it. They did a box set of like what would be the quote unquote prequel, which was about uh, in total like three hours long. It's two different DVDs. They dubbed it or you could watch it with subtitles. So it's condensed. So we're talking about they condensed maybe like, you know, 15 episodes or maybe not 15, maybe like 10 to 15 episodes. Then they released a DVD of what would be the the same timeline as the Fist of Fury Bruce Lee movie, starting with the death of Fakun and Gap and then Chen Jin avenging him. And that was just one singular DVD, probably maybe two hours long, the movie. Uh, and same thing, they had an English dub option. And as far as later English dubs go, I actually really liked the ones from that series. So I had both of those. I still have what would be the quote-unquote prequel uh, double box set, but I lost the Fist of Fury, like the second one, because I left it in a uh, 
TV with a DVD player built into it oh, at my parents' yes. house before they moved when I was away at college. And then I remember like, oh, well, what happened to that TV? And I think they may have left it there with the house, like sold it <laughs> as part of like some stuff staying. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, so whoever got that house next, it was a nice house too, uh, got a DVD of Donnie Yen's Fist of Fury TV series. So when I got to China uh, years ago, I found, you know, they, you know, you go to the local DVD shops. I found the whole series, the entire run of it. I said, perfect, cool, buy it. Well, no English subtitles. And it was only in Cantonese. So I think maybe because it was the mid nineties, uh, it was never dubbed for, uh, Mandarin language television, or it just wasn't on my copy. So really I had the entire, every single episode, but I had no way to I, I mean, I don't really speak any Cantonese. So I wasn't sure how they were going to be releasing it on Hayao when they announced it. I'm like, is it just going to be the exact same versions that Tai Sang already released? So in theory, we're getting about maybe five hours of like 20 something hours of footage. No, they're releasing it episode by episode with subtitles. I so love that. There's no dub, but they're going to release what appears to be what would be like all 20 something episodes because they released the first six and I was watching part of it just now. And wow, it looks amazing too. It's remastered. So even the DVD versions I had before look good, but not this good. In fact, it's like so good on HD, you can see a lot of their television makeup. And mm-hmm. the cool thing about the series also is well, it's cool and kind of not so cool is by this point, I mean, on TV, you know, they were filming with sync sound. So the sound quality is nowhere near up to par with like American television, but it's all the actors own voices. So it's cool. You're hearing Donnie Yen speaking Cantonese. And I love the series. I think, uh, and Donnie was the action choreographer. It's of all the, uh, like Hong Kong or Chinese television series I've ever watched. It's my all time favorite. I love it. I'm looking forward to oh, really? examining it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to delving into it as well because i have not seen the entire series uh i never even probably i was not fully aware that it was such a robust series oh yeah yeah so and I'm eddie definitely... co as uh fuck you and gap or hoi and jaw is fantastic so yeah. good like they could not have cast it better uh he really helps make the series and there's a great supporting cast and yes a lot of the stuff is kind of hokey but the amount of fight scenes you get and obviously probably the timeline they had to choreograph them i enjoy it i mean but you have to go in knowing it's a tv series and what to expect out of that there's actually a ton of bruceploitation like elements in it you know very over the top but I love it. I suggest everybody check it out. So uh, really, aside from that, Donnie Yen's Sakura also came out, coincidentally enough. Mm-hmm. I won't be able to see it anywhere, unfortunately. Uh, boo. Thanks, well, go USA for not releasing it in the Fresno area. Boo. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. However, uh, Jessica and I did decide tomorrow. So when I was looking to see if it did randomly get released, we actually decided that we are going to go see a uh, movie tomorrow because uh, this article popped up on my phone of uh, it said uh, the best animated film of the year is not Mario. And I was like, OK. And I saw an, uh, like a clip of what looked like an anime. And there's a new anime called Suzumi. Okay, and it looks beautiful, and it's playing at the th- it's playing at multiple theaters in uh, the Fresno area, but it's also playing at the theater right down the street. So, uh, and Jessica loves anime, and as I've mentioned before, she's the one that introduced me to anime, uh, and gave me a new appreciation for it. Even like the the studio uh, Ghibli or what is that right? Studio, I always say it wrong. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Ghibli. Ghibli. Thank Ghibli. You. Yeah. Uh, all those no, no, I'm, films. I'm looking at the, I just pulled up the artwork yeah. now for Susan Man. It looks beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it looks amazing. So, anyways, Jessica introduced me to those films and 
we love watching those. So we're like, yeah, let's go see that. So we're looking forward to that. Nice. Yeah. Any other uh, martial arts movie news you can think of? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. All right. Well, then uh, let's do some quotes, baby. You said you have some good quotes in line with the theme of today's episode. I would say that that's fair enough. The first one is uh, from a dubbed Chinese film. Okay. But I think the dubbing is just as famous as the subtitles. Fair enough. Fair enough. You've got a lot of guts, Oscar. You've got a lot of guts, Oscar. Where would there have been a character? Uh, Okay, like right out the gate, I'm going to just on a whim say The Prisoner. No. Okay, no. okay. So give me some more context. I, I think, so think very over the top. Why does this guy have a lot of guts? Why is the assistant warden telling oh, this guy? Ricky O? Yes. Okay, there we go. Sorry. Okay. Got it. Got it. There we go. Okay. Very good. Uh, the next quote. A little hard to choose because there are two films that basically have the, almost the same line, but I'm going to give you the line from probably the slightly more obscure film, and it's a woman speaking to a man, okay. and then the man's retort. Okay. So you've come all this way to save me? I've come all this way to save myself. Uh, So that would be... <laughs> hold on. Uh, Undisputed 4. I think yes. I think four. Yes, that is that's definitely redemption. Four. Right, right. So, because uh, not three. Remember, because he wasn't out of prison yet. Number four, Correct. where he accidentally kills her husband in the ring, and yeah. Yes. Okay. There we go. Good. All right. Good. good. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, I guess we should get into talking about what we're talking about today. Today, we are talking about the 2017 Cambodian martial arts epic Jailbreak, directed by Jimi Henderson, starring French Cambodian Chinese actor Jean Paul Lee uh, and Cambodian. Bokatar experts, Dara Orr, Tharath Sam, uh, and a few others, uh, also co-starring Celine Tran as the main antagonist. Madam Butterfly, Madam which Butterfly. is a little confusing based on folklore of, of Madam Butterfly. Yeah, and, I, I, yeah. Uh, and then also <laughs> with some appearances from uh, some other individuals, most Specifically, for people familiar with uh, Cambodian martial arts, would maybe A. Uh, e Putong, who is a very famous Pradal Saray fighter, uh, Kung Khmer, which is the, for lack of a better term, the Muay Thai of Cambodia. So uh, our main stars do what's more the traditional style of Cambodia, Bokatar, which could be more compared to, I guess, like traditional Kung Fu, right? Uh, but doesn't look like Kung Fu, looks more like traditional Muay Thai. So really more mm -hmm. comparable to Muay Baran. But... Uh, this individual, the guy who plays the cannibal, uh, is a Cambodian kickboxing legend. So, uh, yeah, this is your first time watching it. This was my first time watching it. I, uh, as of this morning, dating back to yesterday, I've watched it twice. Okay. Uh, and wow, that was fun. I, I, I took notes. Okay, that's good. Yeah, so, uh... I was surprised. I didn't know you hadn't seen it. So the whole catalyst for this was Jean-Paul Lee, who I follow on social media, posted how it's leaving Netflix May 1st because it's been on there forever since like 2018. Uh, and it's finally leaving. I mean, I can only assume it'll get picked up automatically by someone like even Haya. But mm -hmm. uh, 
it's been a little while since I've seen it, but I was lucky enough to actually see what I believe was the American premiere of it back in 2017. Uh-huh. And I had to go back and look on my Instagram just now with Gavin to, to figure out which film festival it was, but it was Beyond Fest in 2017. So I posted on October 9th, 2017. So it may have been that same day or the day before, but uh, I went to the screening of Jailbreak. Uh, I remember uh-huh. it, was, it was in a, the, the smaller theater. It was in the Egyptian, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I loved it. I mean, and it's interesting. I've actually gained more appreciation for it over time because you can't help but notice how it is slightly, if not more than slightly, derivative of the raid. But mm-hmm. with the budgetary restrictions and technical restrictions and so forth, you can understand why they took the approach they did. And what we get is a stellar action picture for a really what's what's like a, a first time outing for a lot of the people both in front of and behind the camera. We do. It's it's uh it's it's a lot of fun. And you know, it it's I kind of appreciate that you picked this film uh uh to watch right now because I felt like uh, the guy who plays Playboy. Uh-huh. It, so so I know that it would be Savan Philip. Yeah. So he wasn't, it wasn't, I'm sure they, I don't know what people think, but I just felt like, oh, I, I, I see the spirit of Richard Ng <laughs> living through that character in this film. Yeah. Uh, it was just a lot of uh, really well balanced of serious to like comedy, serious to like comedy, like kind of e- even the way the fight scenes were orchestrated. It's like when it's a comedy moment, they they embrace that full comedy beat. They embrace the full serious beat and they don't linger too long in the overly serious moments, uh, which is really hard to do because usually you will get lingering too long and overly serious to compensate for the lightheartedness. And uh, part of that is kind of, cultural expectations and so forth. So what makes it different from The Raid is the fact that The Raid is 100% serious. There is like not even comedy at all. This film embraces some more comical elements. It's still a serious movie, but has the comedy spliced in there through the character of Playboy, through even the character uh, of uh, Su Chet, played by uh, Mm -hmm. Dara Fong, another one of the uh, Bokatar experts. Uh, and it, it's kind of wacky at some points. It's kind of silly, but these are also what's expected from the films of that region. Uh, and I know that, uh, so according to some of the research I did, uh, one of the French Cambodian producers, he uh, wanted to make a film, a Cambodian film that was outside of the typical genres that they have, which we uh, stated was romantic comedies and ghost stories. And it's interesting uh-huh. because when I lived in Thailand, and, you know, I, I would love to go to the movies. I get the movie trailers for like local Thai cinema. So by this point, Thai action cinema was already huge because, you know, I'm talking 2010, Ong Bak came out in 2003. So they already had a prevalent action cinema. But there's also a lot of local comedies. And it's funny that that producer said that because same thing in Thailand, ghost comedies are big. And uh, for lack, I'm not sure what the proper LGBTQ term would be. So if anybody wants to let us know, but a lot of uh kind of almost transgender themed comedies. Like I remember being over there. In fact, I remember seeing a trailer for a like transgender theme ghost horror comedy. <laughs> like it's the kind of local humor type stuff uh, uh, that is just, you know, what audiences are used to over there. So I think 
yes, they're trying to establish like a new genre and action film, but also still want to give their audience some of the more comical elements Mm -hmm. that they're used to. And some of the comic beats, uh, I'd say especially like most of Playboy stuff, I think plays well. And it's like you said, it's almost like Richard Ng where he does such a good job. It doesn't feel unnatural. It feels more just like a comic relief, right? Then there are some moments which are just, you know, a little more wacky, but... Yeah, a little more wacky, a little, cam- like a little camped up a little bit. Right. And, uh, you know, those those probably won't stand the test of time, but but Playboy's performance, Sivan's yeah. performance as Playboy, I think is something that can hold up. Uh, just... Uh, Play, plays it very well so it's almost like he, it's it's almost like it for a period we're following him for the comic relief so each character each character has a different point of view it's it's kind of a really well balanced ensemble piece even though we do have a trio of heroes that we are supposed to follow this is correct so we might as well go straight into the plot so pretty much the the story revolves around there's this character playboy And it's believed that he is the leader of a notorious gang, the Butterfly Gang. But after being arrested and captured, he reveals he is not the leader and is willing to give up the leader, you know, for a lighter sentence or whatever. So an elite group of police officers are given the task of escorting him to prison. And with them, we have a visiting French police officer played by Jean-Paul Lee, who plays, uh, he's listed as just Jean-Paul, because one of his former uh, comrades or whatever you might say it is a French Cambodian who's back in Cambodia and is like the, you know, the captain or whatever. So he's over there kind of, uh, I think probably maybe help being doing technical training of so forth. But then we also have our three local uh, police officers who uh, have the same name as their real life names. So we have Dara Orr, who is mm-hmm. a real life Bokatar expert playing Dara. We have Tharoth Sam, who's playing Tharoth. She is a real life Bokatar expert, but also professional MMA fighter. So uh, she, I believe she had a record of three and two. Let's see her professionally. No, excuse me, four and two. Uh, and she actually fought in one championship in the early days of one uh, FC. Oh, really? Yeah, back in 2014. So she was uh, in one FC, she ended up being one and two, but overall she was four and two in her fights, uh, which is a very respectable professional record. And it is. But she hasn't fought since 2017. So I assume she's kind of retired. But uh, yeah. And then finally, our last one, the the last uh, part of the trio is uh, Dara Fong, who plays Suchet, who's also another Bokatar expert, who's actually done... I know full contact book guitar fighting because I've watched it on YouTube and I just did what rewatched it again. So real quick for book guitar, it is like the traditional Cambodian. I shouldn't say like it is the traditional Cambodian martial art. It's another one of those ones that was kind of not known about forever because it was secretly passed down due to, you know, I mean, we have the Khmer Rouge. We have a lot of different invasions and so forth. So it's it's seen a renaissance in, you know, the last I don't know, 30 something years. The true mm-hmm. expert is my good friend, uh, Antonio Grichefo, the Brooklyn monk. Uh, you can go back and listen to the interview I did with him. He lived in Cambodia for many years. He earned his what would be like black belt uh, ranking in Bokatar, and he knows uh, all these individuals. So Dara Or, oh, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, Dara Or is his like Bokatar brother, and Thrasam is his Bokatar sister. So he's known them for years, years before this movie was ever made. And, uh, you know, he speaks Khmer and, 
he's a great resource on that. So anybody can that wants to learn more can maybe go watch some of his YouTube videos, Martial Arts Odyssey, a great show. But so the the style, it, it kind of looks more like, uh, it's like, you know, it's a traditional style it, it based off of animal movements and stuff, but it looks like the traditional uh, kind of uh, Muay Thai style, Muay Baran, but they do have like full contact fights. I'm not sure if they're still doing them, but where they have to dance in between the action. So they have like MMA gloves. They're in kind of an open ring pit type thing. They have to do a ceremonial style dance in between fighting. So then they may fight, blah, 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 exchange, then, you know, break apart. Then they have to keep like dancing and then they can fall to the ground and fight for a few seconds before they're stood back up. So it's a little strange. Uh, and as I said, different than the Cambodian kickboxing style of Pradal Saray or Kung Khmer, which is n- nearly the same as Muay Thai fought in a ring and so forth. But yeah, so that's our our group of police officers and a bit of their background. And Jean-Paul Lee is a well-established stuntman. Before this, he had worked on Doctor Strange. Uh, and this was his first big gig as a fight choreographer. He's gone, gone on to do a couple more movies now. Very talented. And his background uh, from... What I recall, I didn't get the chance to re-listen to an old interview of his, but is Hapkido. So he's an expert in Hapkido, hence why his amazing kicks and the like some of his flow and locks and throws. Uh, so he's not a Bokatar person by trade. So the fight scenes sometimes are advertised as being a display for Bokatar, which they are, but they're also more than that. It's a fluid mix. So because really with Dara or style, it's straight like Bukatar, right? With uh, mm-hmm. Tharasam, her style is much more MMA looking. And mm-hmm. then uh, Jean-Paul Lee has a kind of very unique style of his own where he does do some traditional stances and so forth. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so the plot is this team with Jean-Paul Lee uh, accompanying them have to escort Playboy to the prison. Uh, and not just to the prison, but to his specific cell. So right. they're going past every they have to type leave all of their weapons it's all like their going, phones yeah as yeah. they go in and you know they had to avoid the butterfly gang by uh d- you know hiding in a freezy like a, a freezer truck which mm-hmm. is another kind of little comical bit where they're all like covered in ice as they get there a little silly but uh little do they know that the butterfly gang has arranged for a gang inside the prison to take out Playboy. And so they take over the prison as the guards are escorting him directly to his cell. All hell breaks loose. They have to try to protect Playboy and fight off hundreds and hundreds of prisoners using their elite martial arts skills. They all get separated. They're in little mini groups. It's kind of like the raid in that sense. So really it's just a setup for a lot of stellar action sequences. Yes. Stellar action sequences, uh, comic relief, uh, and, you know, different different settings there's the the hallway type fights there's the cell there's the i don't call it the pantry but like the the mess hall mm-hmm. so you have wider spaces it's, it just it really uh it everything's confined and inside but it's how the how the action has to interact with that specific how much the con, how much they're confined or how little they're confined And one of the things I really like is mentioning, you know, their different martial arts backgrounds and styles. Jean-Paul does an amazing job. uh, And Dara Orr also was part of the fight choreography specifically for, like, obviously the Bukatar movements. But there's a lot of uniqueness to each fighter and diversity in the martial arts displayed. So, you know, we all love the raid. But really, aside from in the first raid, Joe Taslam using more of the judo style. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of what they're all doing looks similar. They're all kind of utilizing C-Lot. You know, their villain is a, a real-life C-Lot expert. Obviously, Iko Ua is a C-Lot expert. It's, and the choreography is based around C-Lot. Nothing wrong with that. Incredible. But here, we're getting multiple different styles. As we said, Jean-Paul yes. Lee does a very dynamic kicking style, but also utilizing a lot of close-range kind of, you know, uh, elbow blocks and deflections. And he even does a couple traditional poses. Like when he, it's almost like he has to uh -huh. channel, uh, his dragon, his, cause it's like, I yes. feel like you almost get an animal sound effect with the music. I don't know, but it, it, it definitely felt like that. It felt like he was definitely channeling all of a sudden we, we were like, took a time machine back to the seventies. Yeah. And cause he does we a were, pose that looks like almost like an animal type Kung Fu. Yeah, pose. He throws down a weapon so he can do his pose yeah. and take like, yeah, I think he does it twice in the film. And he does some incredible kicking, too. He uh, does. And then, you know, uh, Tharasam does a much more MMA style, as I mentioned. And so it's cool. And then, you know who one of my favorite guys, though, is? Is the prison guard that's escorting them in. Yes. He's, 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 he's got like a... a He's got bruiser. a badass style. He's a bruiser, exactly. Yeah. He's a bruiser, but a bruiser that obviously knows some martial arts, but more so like, hey, I'm a prison guard and I get in fights every day, but he throws down. So a lot of the prison guards uh, wuss out or run away, but he stays with them the whole time. He's like, all right, we're in. And he's kind of, he's a, a bruiser is a perfect word. He's like a big kind of uh, bulky guy, but he throws, yeah. he does some, but he does some cool kicks once in a while. He like, you know, blocks, punches, throws. It's not sloppy. It's just, he's got like a, a street fighting martial arts style. Yes. And I, so, I, so once again, it's this cool diversity that we get, you know, we get somebody very traditional technical like Dara or we get someone with a kicking base style like Jean Pauli doing incredible jump spinning kicks, you know, under over kicks. Uh, and then you get like this prison guard who's more of like, bam, bam, like using just his natural strength. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. You, uh, oh, no, no, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. No. And, and then I think what, what's very, uh, unique about this film, as you're pointing out with every, with the embracing of multiple styles of martial arts in the film, uh, each character is kind of, uh, distinct in and of itself like we've already talked about like sort of the dragon poses but every every character's approach to their martial arts i mean obviously they all have their different expertise in the end and uh the filmmaker is working with them uh to bring out their strengths rather than to, like trying to curtail their strengths and and what i like what i liked about this film in particular is like you you're you're pointing it out specifically and perfectly when you talk about the prison guard where he is a bruiser uh and it's it just kind of fits his his street style fighting fits his this is how he survived all these years in this prison uh and you know the the french cambodian officer jean paul who's now visiting or you know helping Clearly, story-wise, you can tell he's been gone for a while. And his martial arts style, you can tell he's been training oh, somewhere. I, he's not supposed to be Cambodian. I mean, he's not well, supposed no, to be Well, no, I know. But yeah. I mean, like, yes. But he, so he's he's come from another another land right. in a way, like even, even the way he's doing, conducting himself martial arts-wise. And so it's just, it's a lot of fun to watch how it, it almost feels like a, a lighter version of Magnificent Seven, where Ooh. every person is a little different, yeah, right? Yeah, good, good comparison. Uh, I like that, yeah. And so, and it, the one we forgot to mention is even our Madam Butterfly, our true yes. villain, when she decides she's, I have to go take care of this myself, and she gets into the prison, Celine Tran uh, is like using a katana-wielding style. Yes. And we get a great ending fight 
between her, uh, one of the ending fights, we give multiple ending fights between her and Throth Sam, where it's, you know, the sword versus pretty much a metal pipe. And yeah. for being her first major martial arts film, Celine Tran uh, does amazing. And she actually has a legitimate martial arts background. So, and I went, I did get the chance to go back and re-listen to her episode. She did of the Kung Fu movie guide, like literally six years ago. I can't believe it. Time flies. Uh, with uh, Ben Johnson, uh, uh-huh. well, one of the best in the game. Shout out to Ben if he listens to our podcast. Maybe he does. Uh, but she talks about how in high school, I think she was like 15, she started doing Shotokan Karate. She was a huge Bruce okay. Lee fan, but where she was in, I want to say Lyon, France, maybe. Uh, then again, I did just watch uh, Lionheart also, so maybe that's why Lyon is in my head. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was, yeah, there wasn't any wushu or anything. And so she did Shotokan, did it very competitively when she was 18. The, the instructor pretty much wanted her to join the team with their daughter and like compete nationally and this and that. But her parents are like, no, you have to do school and this and that. So she had to stop doing karate. I believe she earned up to her brown belt, but then went away to college, uh, and then didn't fall back into it until, uh, she was an adult. And kind of was hoping to, you know, segue back into more stunt work. But for those that don't know, Celine Tran was also a uh, well-known adult film star for many years. Uh, She went under the name Katsuni. Uh, And then I think maybe at the end of her adult film career went back to her regular name. But uh, yeah, I think from about 2000... One to 2013 is when she was doing adult films and she was huge. Like she won a bunch of awards. I, I'm not familiar with uh, that industry, so I can't really <laughs> speak to like the awards or anything. But according to the interview, it's, you know, she won some, uh, well, I'll say on Wikipedia, she won the AVN award for female foreign performer of the year. So she was quite prevalent in the adult film industry, but then stepped away, you know, and she decided like, okay, I'm going to segue now into the next part of my career and got involved in training stunts and so forth. And it's a shame we haven't seen her in more sense this because she does a great job, great job, uh, with the, the fight scenes, especially for this being her first major, motion picture yeah no, yeah no question about it i mean uh for me again this is this is my first time watching this film first time seeing many of these actors uh i thought that she came with a lot of uh martial art experience and just carried herself well like a like a great martial art villain does on screen you know what and i, I would love to see her she would be perfect because in all honesty her you know she speaks uh English, fine, but like she does have a very heavy French accent. But I would love to see her like in a Luc Besson type picture. Oh, you know, like she's absolutely. she's she's like a real life. It could be like a real life La Femme Nikita type role, right? Like you know, taken from one industry, put into another. Like you know, coming from one side of the tracks to the other. And uh, I would just like to see her do more. But I'd like to see this entire cast do more. I'd like to see because unfortunately. It, it, this film didn't really do what the raid did for Indonesia because now Indonesia has a very prevalent action film genre. I mean, all the time, even like the big four just got released on Netflix a couple months ago, big uh, Indonesian action picture there. They have a thriving film industry with action pictures being made regularly. And that also kind of segued into Malaysia, which mm-hmm. is great, but we haven't really seen that from Cambodia and you know, I just wonder if logistically it's a lot harder, budgetary restrictions, uh, maybe not enough local talent. And I know there has been some, 
but nothing that has gotten the exposure that this one has and none that I've seen that have really been as good as this. No, I, I, I feel that some of, some of the, the best martial art films that I've seen from, from this region literally borders Cambodia. Yeah. It's everything around Cambodia, but not from Cambodia. And so it was, it was kind of a, a kind of a great pleasure to see this film and see how it didn't go all dark and hard and didn't go all jokey, you know, maintaining that balance. I think it's an entirely accessible film. And there's some great performances in this. I mean, I personally am, am count me, count me in as a, as a fan for Jean Paul because this guy surprised me on camera uh, the entire film. Every single time he was uh, he was called to do action in in a different setting, I was I was completely uh, engaged. And in fact, the as, as I said, I've, I've watched the film twice now. But if I'm being completely candid, the first time I would watch the action scenes, I would go back to see like, okay, am I really buying this? And I would go rewatch the scene. So in many ways I've kind of like the first watch was a double watch. Uh, and I, yeah, his, his scenes are so good. He did. I would love to see more of him on screen doing more of, uh, more of this type of work because well, there was a lot of consistency in what he was doing and very variety. And he's he's been consistently doing stunt work. So the man's working. That's great. He has done uh, some projects. I did watch Night Shooters with him, which was good. Okay. Uh, and he was in the the second I Am Vengeance film, Retaliation, which was mm-hmm. good. Uh, I, I love those movies. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, Ross Boyask, uh, who directed those. If uh, I may have pronounced his last name wrong, but he's an awesome guy. I follow him on Facebook. He's He has the same taste as we do. In fact, he was just watching Martial Law the other day, as in, Cynthia Rothrock martial law. So uh, those are great films if you guys haven't seen those. Classic old school action. But anywho, uh, in stunt work, he's working on stuff. But the thing I love about Jean-Paul Lee is he has that, uh, in the same way Jackie Chan does, but more on a serious side, he has that every everyday man look to him. And I mean that in the best way. Like when I see him, he looks like he would have been one of my friends in high school. Yeah, like, no, I don't it, quite know how to explain that, but he just seems like so relatable. Like, hey, he's, you know, an average cool guy. Like, hey, it's one of my friends who just also suddenly happens to be a bad mofo. He's, he, well, he's for me, he's completely relaxed, right? So he's not a jacked up uh, action star. Right. He doesn't come across as one. He also doesn't come across as someone who's really trying to prove a point. He's, the introduction of his character from the very get-go is like an observe in an, an observing role where he's paying compliments to other people's martial arts fighting. He's uh, observing, you know, everyone who's going to be on his team. And then all of a sudden when he starts throwing kicks, you're like, Oh wow, this guy is, is, a, is a star on par with all the other action figures in this film. Uh, and there's just something about him in like that supportive role. And it's funny, you're, you, you kind of mentioned Jackie Chan in many ways. He, he kind of started off as like the Carl Weathers and predator for me. And slowly shifted over to um, the Yoon Biao character, and like I, I you know, I took uh, 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 from um, 
from Spartan X or uh, Wheels on Meals. Wheels on Meals. I was going to say, I don't think UNBL was in Predator, but that would have been cool. No, no, but I'm just saying, like, he had that. And there is, so it's like, I took, I took some late night notes and I wanted to share them with you. Okay. So I'm going to do that. Do it. Okay. So let's see how these notes turned out. So it's kind of comedic, um, attempting comedy here, but we'll see. So is this, do we see the best fight scene in a prison bathroom since Blood and Bone? Did we see the best stick fight scene with multi-assailants since Mission of Justice? Did we see the best fight scene with a metal lunch tray versus a giant man since Never Say Never Again? Uh, the best fight scene with women wearing stilettos since Armor of God? We they never delivered on that. I saw the women walking down the hallway. Oh, I'm like, oh, are they gonna do an armor nah. of God thing? Uh, oh, then I have, of course, I read. I I mentioned Richard Ng, and then best action movie love triangle since Spartan X. Uh, and you know, just just like this film, I don't think was set out to do homages, and I, I you kind of have to like dig deep on those. But what I liked about this film is it it. It feels like uh, 80s Hong Kong, maybe not Golden Harvest release, but maybe uh, maybe one of the maybe D and B because of its yeah, international D&B, exactly. feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I like yeah, that. Yeah, so just uh, it felt like a good D and B film. Yeah, no, that's th- those uh, comparisons are fantastic because you're right. Like it, the, it's funny actually. We don't really get a true martial arts scene. Yeah, I was just checking today. I think until around the 25 minute mark, and really the first mm-hmm. big one is at the 27 minute mark with Jean Pauli in the bathroom. But keep in mind, once the martial arts starts, it almost it just doesn't stop the rest of the movie. So yeah, you have to wait a little bit, but be patient. So that first fight sequence with Jean Pauli in the bathroom. That's the introduction to the true style of the fight scenes you're going to get. And wow, what an introduction it is. Yes. And you see what a badass he is. Because we don't really know like what he's capable of yet. He wasn't in the opening. They have a kind of training sequence at the beginning where the local team is all like they're hitting the bag or, you know, sparring in the cage. You know, and he doesn't know what Bokatar is. He's like, oh, is that Muay Thai? And they're like, uh-huh. no, it is Bokatar. And it's like, oh, okay, sorry, my bad. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so we kind of think maybe he's a noob. Maybe he doesn't know what he's doing. No, he knows what he's doing. And he yeah. is bad to the bone. And once again, we get to see great close quarter work from him, great kicking mm-hmm. work from him. And the funny part is he's also a big guy. So yeah, he's nice. He, yeah. He, he has to adapt some of his kicks sometimes because he's closer range. You know, it's he has to almost like crunch up and kick, but he makes it work. And he does some fantastic aerial kicks. And it's funny, he does a couple tornado ones, which are really good. But there's one kick in the first a uh, big group fight scene after the bathroom sequence when he they rushes out. He does a jump spinning hook kick where he takes out two guys at once with the same yes. kick. Just, I know it's so simple, but I was like, wow, that is a good kick. It's captured yeah. at the right angle, but it's just, and it's really, it, they don't put a big emphasis on it. It's not slow motion. It's not like, well, look at this. It's just, the subtleness of it is so brilliant. He's he's an amazing kicker. The the film is really subtle. Like you uh, you put some Wolverine shoes on him, and you got someone yelling "bone" after that kick. <laughs> he just knocks out two guys. But it's like it's not they're gonna brush away from what we just saw. But it's not. You don't have like this over the. They're not pausing. They're not going slow motion. It's just like boom boom. And it's like continues the movement. And that that's where that's where this film sort of excels. It just it just keeps moving and 
kicks are flying all over the place. Uh, close quarter contact is happening. Some grappling is happening. Some, uh, some, some. Uh, I, I don't know how to say it, but like ear biting is happening. Okay, yeah. So the, the cannibal, right? like, the cannibal. Yep. And then also the the great fight sequence with the. Uh, I think he was French. Uh, you're talking about Laurent Placel, the uh, yes. uh, the uh, the black uh, prisoner. Yes. Yeah. So in real life, uh, and once again, I didn't get the chance because he was also on the Kung Fu movie guide. Ninety nine point nine percent sure uh, he and Jean Pauli are friends in real life. Like they've trained together, and like they, I think they came up together in the stunt world. And uh, I'm pretty sure he obviously brought him over for this role. And he's phenomenal. His abilities are great. And their fight sequence, which I assume you're about to talk about, I thought was fantastic i know it was it was uh it because as you mentioned jean paul uh is kind of a bigger guy so it was and he was fighting kind of smaller guys at times or chunkier guys at times this was a chance for him to fight someone who was bigger than he was mm -hmm. and i know uh I, you know i've listened to some interviews with uh michael jai white where he doesn't always want to be the he's a big guy and he doesn't want to always be the biggest guy because then he'll look like a bully as a protagonist this was a great opportunity to to see jean paul fight someone who was bigger possibly faster possibly more powerful it was it's i mean for me i really enjoyed the fight sequence how, how did you take that scene agreed and it's also very believable because of uh lawrence skills right so in at the end jean paul does have to take he takes on the the main prison bad guy uh, whose name uh, escapes me, but it's not believable. He's kind of just, as you said, like a chunky, like tough looking guy, like, Err, and it, it's not believable that he would give uh, Jean Paul a run for his money. But in this mm -hmm. sequence, it is. Uh, and Laurent plays this very evil like character. Uh, even just the, the dialogue he's saying, it's very, it's kind of almost poetic and psychotic. Uh, about like his love of killing and this and that. And it's nice because we also get a break sort of like uh, the fight between uh, Joe Taslam and I think it's Mad Dog is the character in the raid where mm -hmm. we've had all these group fight sequences and then we get a break and we get a one-on-one -on -one fight sequence, like an extended one uh, before the finale one-on-one -on -one fight. So it's a nice change of the action. But it's also cool because it's two guys at the peak of their game going at it. It's just a nice change of pace. And once again, it adds to that diversity within the martial arts on screen in this film that yes. we were mentioning earlier. It, it's great because it's the, I think like the menu for this film is, of course, we have some com comedic relief moments as, as, we, as we've discussed. We also have the group fights. Then we have smaller group fights. Then we have one on one. So it's like this. It's this really well balanced film. That uh, then you have two on twos, two on ones, one on ones, uh, five on ones, thirty on four. You, it's it's just a really nice balance throughout the film uh, of giving us something different each scene. And I have to say, like the twenty to thirty on versus three or four came off pretty realistically yeah uh and and when it doesn't they allow it to go a little campy and comedic but also what we get to make it look realistic is some very 
cool, intricate camera work. They do some yes. quote unquote long takes that are obviously they hide the cuts, but they do a very good job of doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, kind of follows the action no shaky cam work so we love that we do get a moment of point of view which i thought was actually really well yes. done where there's a prisoner that gets hit <laughs> and it kind of does the sound effect of like ringing ears and buzz and uh-huh. it's like his eyes close open he sees some of his homies getting their butt kicked close open sees him getting their butt kicked by someone else opens and then suddenly he gets kicked again and then falls over and i thought that was a cool yes uh, you're right I beat to- that still uh included the fight scene within it. Yeah, no, I you, I totally forgot about that because it seemed like it was regular camera work then all of a sudden it like, it slips, it's like a long take, slips into POV, then slips back out once he gets kicked again. It, it's, uh, yeah, that was a nice inventive uh, period. I, I think the, I have to give a lot of credit to the director. Jimmy Henderson. Uh, Jimmy Henderson. So he's, from what I've read, is uh, an Italian uh, expat mm-hmm. that lives in Cambodia. And, when you watch, did you watch any of the uh, the credits? Uh, yes, I did. B-roll stuff? Yes, I yeah. did. So That's why I particularly mentioned You see the him. kind of budget they're on. So even when you watch, so maybe more comparable to Maran Pal, the first film that Gareth Evans did with the Sea Lock crew in Indonesia. But even that one, I think must have had a much bigger budget. And by the time they got to the raid... I mean, a quote unquote bigger budget, but by the raid, they had a lot more technical abilities Mm -hmm. and options. Mm -hmm. And yes, it was still in comparison to American action movie, nothing, but quote unquote bigger budget for that region. This film, when you see the behind the scenes footage, there's one sequence where, you know, they're doing action in one of the hallways and the camera is moving at a fast pace backwards following the action. You see how they did that. And it's what I think is the director carrying yes. the DP on yes. his shoulders. So looking the other direction. So he's, he's literally carrying him like a sack of potatoes over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. The DP is looking the opposite direction as our director's running forward. It's crazy because you would never know that because the they capture everything so well. But it's funny because even when I was making my films in undergrad, my martial arts ones, some of my tracking and traveling shots, people would be like, oh, how did you do that? Did you get like a crane or something? I was like, no, I sat on a computer chair and someone rolled <laughs> yes. me uh, across and I just did a really good job of holding the camera still. Uh-huh. They're like, oh, do you have uh-huh. a steady cam? I was like, no, I, uh, no steady cam, literally just... I made sure I held it really still, sitting in a computer chair, and someone pushing me as we go. Yep. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because it, I, I was thinking when I was watching the out, I guess the outtakes, the end credits. It's like I wonder if this is what it was like on Robert Rodriguez's El Mariachi, where oh. they only had one take. I mean, it probably even. But think about like, El Mariachi all those years before. That was film. That was real that film, was film with heavier cameras and stuff. And using uh, like wheelchairs and stuff. But I mean, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, it's amazing what uh, – here, here's my teaching moment for the day, folks, right. for the week. It's amazing what the mind can – it's amazing what the mind can do when it's got the limitations put around it physically. The mind will find a creative way – I can't continue this voice. <clears throat> yeah, okay, just – The mind's going to find a creative way to get what needs to be gotten. Okay. End quote. I like it. I like it. Okay. Gavin Macho Man Savage. Gavin oh, yeah. Macho Man hey, Savage. I want you to take that, write that down and take it with you. I will do that. So, yeah, I mean, I really suggest everybody watch this film before it leaves Netflix May 1st, because who knows? Odds are it will pop up somewhere, maybe even Tubi. But uh, give it a shot, because if you like The Raid, you're going to like this movie. And in fact, it's going to have elements 
in terms of the action that the raid doesn't just as we mm-hmm. said in some of the dynamic nature and diversity of the fight sequences and the martial arts on display the incredible kicking ability of Jean-Paul Lee the uniqueness of seeing Bokatar on screen uh which once again I'd say is most comparable to like Mui Baran but very unique on its own. I'm just trying to give a comparison to it. And when I said it's almost like Chinese Kung Fu, that's just because it's like the older style. Now, Bokatar lends itself very well for being, and I mentioned this, I think maybe to Antonio, I'd love to see. So in terms of like the Gong Fu Pian, the traditional Kung Fu movie, think, where, you know, Snake in the Eagle Shadow era, you know, Magnificent Butcher, something along those lines, but done with Bokatar. So you can make it comical, yes. you make, but it's like a traditional Kung Fu movie because... Uh, and you could go back and watch the Human Weapon episode they did on Bokatar from like, you know, 15 years ago. Antonio, my friend's actually in it. He was the technical advisor. So you can get a little more history because they have like animal elements that go into it. And I think it would be cool to just uh, do a film like that. But uh, yeah, so I suggest everyone check this film out. Give it a shot. You will not be disappointed, especially if you just want a fun, fast paced action picture. Absolutely. Nail on the head. It, it It's... You, you said you said it, brother. You said it, brother. So, uh, final closing thoughts. Uh, I guess we can do language corner. Uh, we'll do something simple. So, uh, I don't know. Police? Have we ever police, done police? Okay. Uh, okay. So, I mean, we could both do police. That's an easy one. So, uh, since they are police officers uh, in Mandarin, Jing uh, Cha. Yeah, that's one of those ones I, it's funny because that's one I learned really early on because uh, my younger brother, uh, who I'm extremely proud of, is a police officer. He's now a detective, but uh, so I remember when I was first learning, like some of my earliest lessons, you're learning about talking about family, right? So like, my younger brother, uh, so my younger brother is a police officer because you're, you're taught like you're supposed to talk about your family and so forth. But uh, yeah, how would you say police officer in Japanese? You would say keisatsu or keisatsu. 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 Or you would say deka. Deka. Which is like cop. Oh, nice. It's, it's kind of phonetically the same. So yeah. uh but I, I don't. I I feel like it's okay to say that. But if you're approaching a police officer, right. I don't know if I'd say dick. I would say, you know, saying. Yeah, got it. But their case, that's a or omawari san. So you, do you want me to keep going? They got extra words in in Japanese. What do you mean? Ke- like oh, but Jesus. <laughs> it's the, so okay, sure. is the is what they are. Got it. Uh, so for example, classic film. Uh, Police story with Jackie Chan is very simple. It's Jing Cha Gu Shi. Jing Cha Gu Shi. Gu Shi. Gu Shi. Yeah. So, which Gu Shi is story. Story. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, in Japanese, do you know what it's called? What is it called? Police story. I like it. I that's, like it. Yeah, that's, they did the phonetic. That's 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 easy. All right. So there you go. Jing Cha Police Officer. Uh, and then for you, the. I like it. Very good. Easy. Okay, everyone, check out Jailbreak. Fantastic film. Don't forget to subscribe. Yeah, subscribe to the podcast. Please download, share with your friends, spread share the word. Share with us your thoughts. Yeah, sharing your thoughts with us. Hit us up. Yeah, we love it. Okay. Uh, anywho, this has been fun, and I will catch you next week, my friend. Sounds good. Peace, baby. <laughs>